0: This is the Eastside Liquor Halftime Podcast. Oh, intermission. No, it's halftime. Stop by 9390 Rogers Avenue for the best liquor, beer, and wine deals in the River Valley.
1: Arkansas wins the national championship!
0: Check out Eastside Liquor on Facebook for weekly specials.
1: Say goodbye! Darren McFadden, 80 yards, touchdown!
2: Some uh, comments coming in on the McClarty daniel hotline about uh, Arkansas. Football Drake Magruder asked about, well, he says he loves your comment, Matt about getting it fixed. What do you think is giving Hunter check the confidence that Sam Pittman can get it fixed? Does that go back to the idea that, well, he was able to kind of change things after the Sam Pittman era? You know, I mean, you went from zero SEC wins to three SEC wins in the first years, back to back uh, zero wins in, in the conference under Coach Morris. And so you get three in Sam Pittman's first year, and you know things were looking good after the second year too. Does that give? Would you think that that's where some of this confidence comes from? Uh, That you've seen him kind of turn it around once? It's just the mess that he inherited wasn't his mess, and now it is. You know, the the blueprint to win at Arkansas is not the same
0: blueprint it is to win at Georgia. You know, you're not going to get five and and a lot of five and four stars. So so you gotta you you gotta figure out the blueprint, and, and you gotta be a A hard-nosed defense, physical. You got to have some speed on the outside. You got to have some playmakers that scare you a little bit. Uh, you, you gotta be you gotta be able to run the ball. Offensive couldn't. I I don't, I don't know. I I don't want to say anything wrong on the air. You know, like to get us in trouble. But the offense was pathetic, man. It You're was, not gonna
2: get in trouble. You can say anything was, you want, man. It
0: was it was pedestrian at best. Was the offense this year? That's that's the best I can put it. And so whatever that is, that that offense, man. That's that's uh, we we got to figure something out on the offensive side of the football.
2: You're being nice. I think <laughs> uh no one's gonna get you in trouble. But look, this was one of the worst offenses that Arkansas has had in years there's no other way to put it and 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 anybody that would uh, that would come and say hey you can't talk like that well I mean so they averaged 326.5 yards a game total offense it's the lowest total per game in 22 years 2000 and 2001 those two Arkansas teams averaged 324 yards a game. Team but those had, teams also ones
0: went gonna, to bowl games. I was going to say that team went to the Vegas Bowl. That was mm-hmm. I was a senior in high school that year. Yeah. Well,
2: look, there's just no way about it. This was this was I mean, there, there 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 are people that have been around Arkansas football a lot longer than I have. People that played for them, people that covered them, people that worked in the administration that have said, "This is the worst offensive line at Arkansas that I've ever seen." And and hey, I mean, these are a lot of the same people and we've done it too that are putting the 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 in- kit, the um the, the the lack of capability on the offense on 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 everybody there. Well, we got to break some tackles at running back. Well, we got to you know hit, hit hit open receivers. Well, we got to find a way to get open too. But I mean, it's got to start at the offensive line first and foremost. And I think it does.
0: Any any time it was a passing situation, Phil, and a team wanted to bring a little bit of pressure. We looked like we'd never seen it before we looked like we hadn't been in the film room we looked like we didn't know how to pass guys off we we didn't know look like we didn't know how to we got lost with their eyes and it's it's a uh, it's like playing basketball and just watching the ball and not seeing your man and getting back door cut it's like we could not have a feel for anything if the other team if the other team knew we were passing a passing down Man, if we could, if we didn't, if we didn't throw the ball in three seconds, it was a sack. Under two
2: seconds, it was a sack. I mean, a lot of free runners all, all year. And you saw that really all month long in the Auburn game and the Missouri game. And, and Missouri and dialed them up, up and they took
0: it. The, the field, This is what this is what hurts a little bit is the Missouri and Auburn both took their foot off the gas. That, mm-hmm. That's they were dialing up and they were doing whatever they wanted on defense, all, whatever they want to do, and then they kind of just. They kind of did. now it got a little chippy, you know. But they, but they they know what's they know what's going on. You know they could have beat us as bad as they wanted to.
2: Yeah, that that is part of the crazy thing is when I look back at those last two games, ninety six to twenty four. That really was just in the first three quarters in both of those. Yeah, games.
0: yeah. They they just kind of you know once it's over, it's over.
2: And and so I I don't I don't know what to make of a, of a month that everybody's supposed to remember, but it but but the team sort of played like they dropped the rope a little bit. And I hate to put it in those terms because they played their butts off for the first about two months. And then these these, la- these last three weeks, and I'd even put the FIU game up there a little bit as well w- with it because uh, it wasn't the best first quarter against a low-level team that isn't good at that level. But um, it did have the feeling of letting go of the rope. Well, and so the whole idea of playing for the coach... You know, this is this is a group that's motivating us. well. I don't know if I saw that much motivation over this last month. Well, I'll
0: tell you one thing, you know, if, if they were a team that and that I was a part of, they're going to be in shape and and, and they're going to play with effort. And, and this team, they, they didn't look like they were in shape all year. You go back to the BYU game trying to do a do a, a two minute drill in the fourth quarter and you have two offensive linemen get cramps and can't can't play anymore uh, for whatever it was. There was no fight at the end. They weren't in shape. They weren't ready to go. And you got to be better. Or you're going to just be the bottom. You're going to be the bottom feeder, lapping stock of the SEC. And it's, it's, uh, you're going to have to figure it out or it's just going to be like this again next year.
2: Go to the McClarty Daniel Hotline. couple callers on hold. Cecil is up first. Hey, Cecil, it is good to hear from you. How are you today?
3: Man, I'm driving, twiddling my thighs. I'm like, Matt, let me get on here and say what I got to (laughs) say. Hey, how y'all doing? I hope you had a great Thanksgiving. Um, Yeah, Matt, uh, I most definitely agree with, uh, actually, I agree with the both of y'all because everything y'all said, I was nodding my head. Yeah, they're right, they're right, they're right. Okay, when you got a, 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 a guard or a tackle that's, Six, eight, three hundred and fifty pounds, and the other one's six, six, three hundred and seven and something pounds. And you got these giants, you know, and they they getting beat every time. You know, it's the offensive line. Come on, man. That that the season was ridiculous, Coach Pittman. Uh, just like you said, uh, I think was that you Matt when you said, or was that you Phil? You said that uh, um, is it no, Matt? You said that it's either the line. Or the coach, one of the two. It can't be nothing either, else. And you are either, exactly it's either, right. It's,
0: it's either talent or it's lack of motivation. What, what, what there are, you are the two go. things? I, yeah.
3: I, honestly, man. I mean, you know, I looked at. I, I mean, I, it was a disappointing season, big time. And even the, the second string quarterback to me came in and gave a better effort. That's just my opinion. I, I'm, I'm a fan, and I love the hogs, and I do have opinion. And, and, and I think that the, the quarterback position should have been at least looked at. After the third straight loss, that's just my opinion. And uh, a lot of changes got to be made. And and regardless, if the players do say uh, they was happy Coach Pittman is back, they ain't going to be there. Because if they there, we're going to lose. Get on the portal. Thank God for the portal. And I'm praying that we get better. And Coach Pittman is a better coach. He's approved. That's why they gave him a raise. He is a better coach than than, than this season. So it's got to be the players. And I'm going to hang up and, uh, I'll,
2: you know, I'm going to listen to y'all every day. Much love. Peace. Cecil, thank you very much. Good to hear from you. That's eight seven seven three seven seven sixty nine sixty three. And Cody in Bentonville is up next. Cody, good to hear from you. What's up, ma'am?
4: Hey, not a lot. I hope you guys had a good thing to anything what Cecil said. Um hey, I, I don't want to beat a dead horse. I think we've all kind of got it out of our system, and the people who call in have kind of called in and explained how they feel. I think we all agree with what Matt said pretty blunt right there. If you get in trouble for speaking your mind on how you really feel, why even do a damn radio station, in my opinion, uh, that's what we want to hear. We'd rather hear the truth than all the other crap. Uh, still still trying to sell us, like, still trying to get us hyped up for next year. When the case of the matter is, if you can't go out and find the players that are going to help your team succeed year in and year out, you're never going to win. What I mean by that is, how many players did we get from the transfer portal that were supposed to be supposed to be very helpful? What was the offensive lineman from Florida that transferred to U Bay?
0: Yeah, I think Braun or something. Braun was that? Is we
2: had two right. of them come in, started every game for you at guard. Yeah,
0: he he. I thought he was okay actually. You know, if you're gonna, you're, I don't know how many. I mean, as you're looking at the offensive line. I thought he was all right.
4: I mean, yeah, what's what's there to judge? Sir? What's there? That's um, that's
0: what I mean, right? Yes,
4: sir. Um, Tesla. I mean, early in the year against the teams that really didn't matter. I mean, I, lo- I think he's got great heart and everything. I'm not trying to bash people. I'm just saying, when it comes to it's it's not always the player The coaches are the ones that are getting those players and putting them in those positions to make those plays. We're not making plays at all anymore. And Enos, what the problem really happened in the last two, three games, here's my opinion, Phil, there wasn't another coach on that staff that had head coaching experience. So Pittman, the last two games, especially Missouri-Auburn, he was a lone wolf for his first time in his entire career. Before that, he had the luxury of Barry Odom. Then Dan Enos was a coach at Western Michigan or Central Michigan.
1: Either way.
4: Yeah, so that's that's what I'm getting at. So and then here's what I'm really scared of, guys. And I don't know what we're gonna do because I'll always be a Razorback fan. I'll support Pittman next year. I hope he gets it together. Great character, great man. Um here's what I'm worried about. If Pittman wins six games next year, does he keep his job? <laughs> you know, do we just keep doing this? Houston Nutt might have won had a four games the next season he goes to the SEC championship. Or he does something to where he, he there's a reason he stayed for ten years, right? what are we going to do? Like what's our, what the biggest thing is it's almost like we need Yurichek check to hold a press conference, re outline what the football program is expected to do year in and year out where he sees our five-year tenure plan. And yeah, we're just fans, but we fill up that stadium every year next year. If we're not there, you're going to want us back. So we need some kind of communication from an upper level, upper level leadership position. saying We still want to win in Arkansas. And even if we give you, if we give all this NIL money, how do we know we're going to get players that come here, come in here, and then act that? How do we know with the coaching staff that's there, those players are even going to play like they want to, like greatness plays day in day out? There's just too many questions in my opinion. And like you said, you got to burn the field and let it regrow better. It's there, but I mean, no matter what the university does, we're so loyal as our we're still going to be there to follow. But it's almost a kick in the gut because. You know, like, we're going to be there, but it's like, what, what are we looking forward to at this point? And I hate to be like that, but it's just kind of where I'm at, guys, and I appreciate your time.
2: Well, we can't blame you for feeling like that, and I think, and I mean, we look at the records of, you know, what a coach is, and, and look, that's what you are as a coach. You are what your record says. But you also want to feel like there's something that you're building on uh, one year after the next, and I feel like there's been that. There's been something that you've built on each of the first three years. I don't know what you're building on during this next offseason, right? Because the offense is what you were building on from this last year, and you're trying to fix the defense. <clears throat> defense performed well up to a point. And, man, they just got run roughshod over in the month of November. I mean, really, run roughshod over, including a couple of teams that aren't great offensively in Florida and Auburn. So I don't know what it is you're building off of. And that would include, like, even if you're 6-6 six and six next year, What is it? What is the foundation of your program? What is the identity of your program? I thought there was an identity. I don't think right now that there is.
0: Well, I think it starts with the home state. It starts with throwing a blanket uh, over the state of Arkansas, having a little pride in your home state and your hometown. And I think you get that when you recruit the state a little harder uh, and, and, and instead of recruiting, a, I, I know you have to get guys from outside the state, but we're losing too many guys inside the state as well. And, and then you get a different pride. You get a different energy uh, when you, when you have uh,
2: when you're a band of brothers and a, and a lot of them are from the state of Arkansas last call of the segment and Justin in Clarksville, you're next on the McClardy Daniel hotline. Hey, Justin, what's up?
5: Hey, I, uh, I have a real question of why Eurosec thinks Pittman can turn it around. I, I like Pittman, I think he's a good dude, but I reflect back on his early success. I think the nine win season was just he kind of hit that hit that uh, hit ahead of schedule. But those teams you gotta look at those first couple of years of teams there, he had like some dudes that were like the super seniors, you know what I'm saying? You got the COVID years where he got like had like like some six year seniors there or whatever. I cannot remember the kid's name. Yeah, Traylon Burks, who's a,
0: a, an all, a he's an all world talent.
5: Yeah, Burks was all world talent. But you had like the the Morgan linebacker, you know, that was the Arkansas kid that was there. that's like, some
0: Arkansas kids, yeah.
5: And then you had a tight end from Lamar, and I cannot remember his name. And it's crazy because I'm from Johnson County, but he was he was like a fifth or sixth year kid, and he like was good. You know what I'm saying? And so you had like some super seniors there that kind of helped that team get there. You know what I'm saying? And it's like, I don't know. I don't know that I have confidence in him to turn it around. You know, and I, he's a good dude, but you're like almost 60, almost 60 or whatever he is, whatever he was when they hired him, you know, uh, late 50s. If you've never been a head coach, there's probably a reason why. You know what I'm saying? You're just an assistant. <laughs> and that's kind of mean to say, but you've been an assistant in your late, your, your late 50s. There's probably a reason why that's been the case, and I think we're seeing it. You know, he's just – Get over his head, and what really sucks about it is that Pittman is known to be an O-line guy, and that's going to be the, the nail in the coffin for him in Arkansas if it does not get it turned around. You know, it's the O-line. And that's where it is, and it's just I it can't fathom that the weakness of the team is the O-line, and he's supposed to be the guru about it, or at least we've been told that he's the guru about it. You know, and as far as transferring out, there may be a lot of transfers out, and hopefully we can you know, stop the hemorrhaging and maybe keep some good players that they are good enough to stay. I think a lot of them may not be. But, you know, the, if you go to Arkansas and you are successful and you bring good memories to us, then you're a legend in Arkansas forever. And these kids that can't have the opportunity there, it's just like, Matt, you know, I watched you play. If I'm ever in a restaurant with you, I make don't make that much money. If I'm ever in a restaurant with you, I'm picking a trickster because I just remember the memories. You know, you look at these guys, Clint Sterner, you look at the legends of Arkansas, and that's like, you know, these Arkansas kids, if they, and I know Clint was from Texas, but anyways, if you bring success to Arkansas and bring happiness to the fan base, they'll embrace you for life, man. And so these kids, if they're not good enough to, trans, to play here, they should transfer on, but if they can be, get motivated and turn it around, then they can be legendary, is kind of what I'm saying. So there's enough motivation there. Uh, you know, I would think to uh, want to be successful. So anyway,
2: that's about all I got to say. Thanks,
0: Justin. No, I, th- I think Arkansans take care of their own. That, that's that's 100% correct. And and then you have to have a program that, that uh, you, you can build these players up the right way. The, the, you're not going to have a lot of freshmen coming in and playing. So when you get these kids up on the hill, it takes 18 to 26 months before they're even ready to play SEC big-time ball. You're not going to win a lot of games with freshmen. You got you to get in there, red shirt, especially if you're offensive
2: lineman. Give them two years in the college weight room, and then they come out and they're ready to play. And they did that with some of the freshmen this year that never saw the field. But then there were some of the other younger players that did see the field. And, and yeah, man, I mean, you're, you're, you're hoping that there's some development at those positions. Specifically, I'm hoping tackle... Are they're going to have to have competition. Competition. Celebrate
6: the magic of Christmas at the Arlington Resort Hotel and Spa in the historic Venetian Dining Room this Christmas Eve or Christmas Day. From 11 a.m. to 3 p.m., your Christmas dinner includes a salad bar, carving station, hot buffet items, and desserts featuring traditional and unique items. Over 12, dine for $58 per person, under 12 for $29, and under 6, eat free. Reservations required must have a credit card to hold reservation. Call 501-623-7771 or log on at arlingtonhotel.com slash dining for reservations and complete menu items.
2: Mike Irwin's with us on the McClarty Daniel Hotline, of course, from Pig Trail Nation. Mike, lots of phone calls over the first hour and uh, 15 minutes or so. Uh, it seems that fans, have, at least our callers, have kind of let go of anger. And, and some of them are kind of transitioning to off-season sadness. Defeat. Yeah. Defeat. That's, that's, <laughs> that's what I'm hearing from fans today.
7: Yeah, fans fans that, that actually talk to you over the phone are a little bit different from those on the Internet. There's a lot of anger out there. Um, you know, I think the the whole focus right now is this OC hire, and then there are these exit meetings today that start with players, and there's all kinds of speculation that uh, Cody Kennedy's going to be out. Some Some websites are reporting that he is, and there's no evidence of that yet. I don't know if that will happen or not. Um, Last night I was hearing a lot about Brennan Marion, who's UNLV's offensive coordinator, and and I posted there's only a a handful of guys, maybe one or two, that Pittman might be able to bring in here as offensive coordinator that would really get these people that are mad kind of back on board. You need something that will give people something to think about. And this guy's offense is so different. And if you go on the internet and look at some of the principles of it and what he's done, he's just very innovative. It's a, it's a, it operates out of the shotgun. It's kind of called a wishbone spread or something where you can run triple option reads out of it, but also throw. And uh, it's very interesting, very different. And from a media standpoint, a guy like that would be fun to cover because there would be all these stories about, tell me about this. Well, how does that work? Uh, So if you got somebody like that, I think it would help. The problem with this guy is he's apparently got everybody looking at him now. So he may end up as a head coach. I'm not sure they can get him. There was a report just a while ago that Buster Faulkner, the Georgia Tech offensive coordinator that had ties to Georgia, And some were thinking, okay, that's where Pittman is looking, that he had told them he's not interested. So I don't know where this thing is headed. Pittman himself said he thought it would be done by Wednesday, so we'll see. But that's the big thing hanging out there. And then whether or not, Kennedy is retained. That is another
0: story today. Mike, with the transfer portal opening up December fourth, do you you don't fault these kids? Don't don't you think that most of these kids should put their name in the transfer portal just to see what's out there? What are your thoughts on that starting because it's going to be the wild wild west?
7: Sure, if that's what they want to do. I mean, that's what's available. Um, guys, I'll be very blunt, and I put this out, put it out here this way because it's what I believe. When, you're, when you put on a uniform, I don't care what school we're talking about, when you put on that uniform and you walk out on the field in front of the home fans, you need to know that that uniform was worn by other people before you, and it will be worn by other people after you, and those people in the stands love you not because they know you, but because they love that tradition of that uniform. And if you go out and lay an egg in front of the fans constantly, you don't have that. Somebody didn't teach you that. I was just on the phone with somebody earlier today, and i got to say it. He said, Houston Nut, never let that happen. They always knew what the helmet was about, and you have to be able to do that. And that's what's missing right now. So if there are guys that don't feel that connection, why would you be surprised that they would go somewhere else?
2: It's a matter of what what what's the identity of what your program is. You know, in, in my mind, I always view Arkansas, and I think throughout the decades it's been like this. Hard-nosed, physical team, uh, might at times play better than the talent level. Eff- effort, not not this lack of effort. You're going to have passion. That, that's right. A line of scrimmage team, too. And that's what I feel like Sam Pitton was brought in to build, right? And I think we might have seen that. The last couple of years, but man, they got dominated on the line of scrimmage this year. And truthfully, like we can say this and that about the defense improving, but they still were 13th in the league in defensive scoring, 10th in the league in rush defense. And when you look at the last two games against SEC teams, the defense was not able to stop Auburn or Missouri at the line of scrimmage. It just burst right through. So I don't know what the identity is of the team right now. And I don't know if recruits would know what that is yet
7: well again the 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 thing that's being sold is that rather than pay, pay this buyout, which I'm not sure they had anyway, I don't think the, there were enough boosters willing to contribute that to do that. but what they were willing to do, according to what I was told, was contribute more money for for Nil stuff okay nil helps i'm not I don't live in the you know in the past, I'm smart enough to know that this is the world we live in. So you can go out and maybe buy enough guys to 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 do some to, to to put better players on the field. But you still, even with Nil, they still have to come in here and embrace what all of that means. And if you can't do that, if you can't p- convince players, look up in the stands. those guys love that hog, and you have to love that hog, which means you have to have a connection. Guys, somewhere out there is the oldest football letterman. I don't know who he is, but you can go all the way back from that guy and come forward to whoever's about to sign in three weeks, and all of those people are part of a family. And you can't disrespect that family or you don't belong here.
2: Well, there's truth to that. I mean, I want to ask about the offensive coordinator hire here. You know, you I know you brought up um, – what is the, what is the gentleman name? Brennan Marion might be one of yeah. the hottest young offensive coordinators in the country. What, what, um, there's going to be an incredible amount of pressure on this offensive coordinator. And it's different than last year where nobody would have been worried about keeping the coaching staff together or that the, is the head coach going to be my boss moving forward? That's why Dan Eno's got a two year contract. You know, the right. next offensive coordinator is gonna be viewed as well, this is the this is the person that's gonna save things, really. There's so much pressure on whoever it is. Any offensive coordinator has to welcome that, but I just wonder would that also, you know, will they view the Arkansas job with trepidation because this could be Sam's last year?
7: Yeah, maybe. The thing that I, that I was hearing about Marion last night was if you look at his career and he's not young but he's in his 30s but he's never stayed anywhere more than a year he keeps moving and he likes to go to places that have issues and then fix it and so that's the only reason that makes me think he might consider this job because it's a fixed job you know you every time I've got a. This is silly, but I've got a nephew in New Mexico who's a high school state or high school football coach, and he goes. He takes jobs where schools have struggled because he wants to go in there and fix it. That's just something he likes. So if this guy would look at Arkansas and go, Yeah, that's a that's a fix it place. Now he probably wouldn't stay very long, but what would he? All he'd have to do is come in and fix it, and then things would be better. Uh, but I'm probably dreaming. I. I he has so many offers. I can't see him coming here, but I haven't heard that he's out yet today either. I, I did hear that the the Georgia Tech guy is out. That he had told him, you know, that he was not interested. So, and then that's being reported on a website. So, um, I don't know where we're headed. I, I'm talking to somebody else in the media. That thinks Holgerson's in the mix just because he's a former head coach, and a lot of people believe Pittman needs some former head coach in there like, like he had with Barry Odom to help him. I, I don't think Sam's walking around saying that to himself. That's, that's stuff other people are saying.
0: Mike, uh, one, one football question that's, that's on the field, football question. Had a great football week uh, last week. I mean, just some absolute uh, great games. Who is your final four? Give me your final four now with the championship Saturday is set up now.
7: Oh man, you know i I watch Georgia and Alabama, you know, and they struggle in games, but they both keep winning, and I just have this feeling that Alabama's gonna beat them this year, and I think that would get them in. uh Michigan's uh, gotta be in. Uh, geez, I don't know, Guys. Yeah,
0: Oregon, Washington, uh, Mike seems the only one that's an actual real play-in game. Like the winner of the Oregon, Washington game gets in. You you can't say if Iowa beats Michigan that that Iowa yeah. would be in. But but that Oregon, Washington game seems to be the one.
2: Look, I also feel, Mike, yeah. if Texas if Texas beats Oklahoma State and Alabama wins the SEC championship game, Texas has to be in. You can't put Alabama in and not Texas. Yeah. You can't. You can't and, do that. And,
7: and the- and the nightmare for the SEC would be if whoever wins that championship game didn't get in. They probably would, but who knows? I mean, Alabama's got that loss, and they've struggled at times. So if you're if you're Greg Sankey, you probably want Georgia to win that game, you know, so you're guaranteed somebody in the in the championship. Guys, this all goes away next year. I can't wait. I hate this four team thing. Make it bigger. It was up to me. I'd make it sixteen teams, thirty-two teams. I love playoffs, just like high school, you know. But this is thankfully the last year we have to sit here and worry about this scrunched-up playoff, where we have to sit here and get a headache trying to figure out who's going to be in it.
2: Why? Um, why is Michigan the best team? I think when I watch them against Ohio State, uh, that is a physical team. We've got a quarterback yeah. who makes plays. He's accurate. Two really good running backs, a stout defense, and I know maybe they didn't really play much uh, up until Penn State and and then Ohio State. But what I watched there, I, I think might have been the best the best team right now. And I wouldn't be surprised when the rankings come out tomorrow, even though Georgia's still undefeated and everything. I would not be surprised if Michigan um, overtakes them to be to be number one going into going into the playoff or really going into the, the championship games.
7: Yeah, I'm right there with you. I understand everything you're saying, and, and, you know, if you're an SEC guy, you don't want to see that happen, but you can't be stupid about it. Um, this is just, for whatever reason, this this year started off very non-SEC-like. You know, you just had all these weird games and you're going, what's going on here? And Alabama looked really bad for a while and then they got better, but they only had the one loss, and then Georgia's had these games where you thought, what are they doing? They, they lose focus. What's what's happening here so we'll see uh again i think there might be a possibility of alabama beat georgia that alabama doesn't get in and that would be a disaster for the sd's
0: oh i know i wonder how much they look at that auburn alabama game because auburn uh, auburn very easily could have won that game oh (laughs) one guy went to sleep
8: and that's it (laughs) your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet
2: online, where the game starts. You're listening to the Eastside Liquor Halftime Podcast. Right now, Eastside Liquor has a truckload of eggnog, winter seasonal beers, stouts and liquors, rum chata, moonshake creams, and more. Don't forget about the hog bourbon decanters. Come by the drive through or walk inside to see Dave and his team at Eastside Liquor, 9390 in Fort Smith. Now, back to the podcast. Do you see the video of um, of Zach Selman, the athletic director at Mississippi State, being uh, uh, carried away from the plane after coming back and hiring Jeff Lebby as the head coach? I saw a little bit
0: about that, and and I, I was going to get your thoughts on some of that, but because it's you want to win the press conference, but it's not about winning the you know the the day after the press conference. Do you like that hire form? I mean, it seems like they they they're digging it, huh?
2: I guess. I mean. <laughs> I guess. I mean, he's run. He's run a prolific offense. I saw a lot of folks on uh, on social media. For they were Oklahoma fans. Were like, "All right, cool, bye." Uh-huh. Where he where he worked this last year. I mean, who knows? He'd been there for two years. He's uh, he's running off. He, he he comes from the the Bryles, you know, the Briles tree. Uh, I mean, that's going to carry its own, you know, its own set of dangerous situations. I guess if father in law shows up, but. Um, the offense works. I mean, he helped run a successful offense at Ole Miss. Um, I, I, I don't know. I mean, it seems to me like it's a good that. hire. I don't know if it's the kind of hire worth carrying athletic director on the shoulders and crowd surfing over.
0: Yeah, I had that that kid, uh, Gabriel, on my fantasy college football team, so I know all the numbers he, w- he was putting up. Uh, that Big 12, SEC is a new animal. It's a different animal than that Big 12. You know, you, you're not playing a lot of Iowa States, You're playing some Arkansas. You know, I guess you'd put us on that level. We got to play Mississippi State next year. Um, can, can we can we not play SEC teams next year? But state like do a do a Notre Dame thing. Be like, hey, we're gonna stay in the SEC, but we're gonna go out on loan. We're we're, we're gonna go go loan somewhere else and try to get some confidence back.
2: Just play the smaller Florida schools. Golly, we probably. I mean. <laughs> Yeah, there was a different uh, reaction. Did you see the reaction about A&M maybe hiring Mark Stoops yesterday? So
0: I was, I, I thought it was a done deal. Sounded
2: like it might have been. Yeah,
0: I thought but Stoops, I thought interesting. Uh, you can win at Kentucky. I think you can win any. Just like at Kansas, I like that Kansas coach. I think he's he, he'll be on the move. If you win at Kansas, you win at Kentucky, but it looks like they're going with Duke because he had some ties, right? Wasn't he their D coordinator like in 2017 or something?
2: Yeah, yeah. and And look, I mean, it's... I think Stoops would have worked just fine at A and M if he can if he can consistently win. Tough. What is it? They were seven tough. to eight
0: games at Kentucky, like that's, they have. That's the thing. They were the Kentucky was going to punch you in the mouth and hit you. That's what in A and M they are tough, but they need a little bit of that mindset.
2: It's the first defensive minded head coach that A and M has hired in over twenty years. Been a long time. Um, You know, and I mean, the thing about Levy is they're replacing one first-time coach with another, but a guy that's got a track record of scoring a lot of points. And that's the guy that they brought in the last time, in Mike Leach, although obviously he'd been a head coach for a long time before that. Going to get into Arkansas basketball in about 15 minutes with Curtis Wilkerson from Sports. I hear there's a big game at Bud Walton Arena on uh, Wednesday night. Duke Blue Devils coming in to face the Hogs. Arkansas dropped out of the top 25 after the 1-2 and two trip through uh, the Bahamas. And uh, let me check where Duke might be. I know they're not having necessarily the best start, but 5-1. They're ranked 7th, so they're doing just fine. Moved up a couple of spots. Um, didn't play anybody all that big last few games. Beat Bucknell by 30. Beat LaSalle by 39. And beat Southern Indiana 80 to 62, while Arkansas has dropped three of the last four. Defense really the first the first thing you're pointing out comes get, right down to it.
0: We're not getting a lot of easy buckets. That's that's right. You you get a lot of easy buckets based on your defense, and then offense is is very it's stagnant in a way where we ball watch a little bit. Let let Mark kind of go one on one and get to that mid range shot, and and that's good to have in your bag, Phil. It's it's good to have guys that can do that, but you still got to run an offense. There's a lot of times you're just standing and watching um you you gotta move the ball make them work on defense they're they're the the teams get to take off man they're they're taking off a lot of our offensive possessions where they're not really grinding we're not making anybody grind uh on when we have the ball on offense and then we're not getting enough easy baskets it's the truth of it you got to play defense and get some of those breakaway get some of those easy baskets. now i see blocker do it a little bit
2: i'm liking what i see Uh, out of the young freshman number six. Oh, yeah. If he can stay out of foul trouble, I think he'll get a lot of playing time. Heck, he started the last couple of games. Good basketball instincts. You know Arkansas right now ranks last in the SEC in assists. I, be, I believe on it. Only 38.5% uh, of their baskets. That's that's
0: what I mean. The offense isn't, we're not even, we're not an offense yet. Whatever it is, it, this isn't what is, this isn't going to, this won't win for us. You know, whatever we're doing on offense, we're going to have to, we're, we're going to have to figure it out.
2: You want some offense, Matt? I got some offense for you right here on the McLarty Daniel hotline. His name is Eduardo the Sherpa. Eddie, we're looking for offense. What do you have for us? <laughs>
1: You're looking for some Offense. My Nothing offense, offensive, just some heel.
2: offense. We need points, and you have points to make. <laughs> I'll tell you what, though. You know,
1: the basketball pro- let's get to the basketball program. You know, I've said this before. There's a recipe for everything in life. You know, for basketball, you know, it's defense and rebounding and shooting and uh, it's perimeter defense, and we play poor defense in the paint, and we don't score in the paint. We don't score from outside. I mean, so that's a recipe to get beat. So, you know, I listened to Coach Musselman the other day in his post game. I see a frustrated coach. You know what I mean? So uh, maybe he'll get it lined up. That's usually his uh, MO. By the end of the season, maybe he can get this group to play jail together. I don't know. But I tell you right now, I can see this team if they don't improve. poo. And any of these areas, Actually, two or three of these areas, I can see this team losing 12, maybe 15 games. And that's before the regular season's over. You know what I mean? So, they better get with it. You So, I don't know if they need to have a team meet up there or what, but there may be some fire. I mean, the players have to play the game. And so, it's on the players. You know, there's no excuses for missing layups. There's no excuses for missing shots. There's no excuses for not playing defense. And so you're not playing hard enough. So, I mean, get in that gym and get with it. Because if you know, your recipe is going to get beat. And so let's get to our football program. You know, certainly everybody, you know, is nothing to hang your hat on. You know, and I was listening to David Basil, Listen to what David Basil said Friday before the game. You know, usually very complimentary of Coach Pittman. Listen to what he said when they interviewed him on SEC Now. You know, they were interviewing uh, what this game represented to the fan base against Missouri. It's been a bad year. You know, you had to show something. You know, just anything to cling to. And we didn't. You know, that's what he said. You know, something that the fan base can hold on to. And there's nothing, no optimism, nothing. I'm going to get to Mr. check. Let me tell you, you know what we lost, Mr. check. You're our athlete. I want to ask you, who is Mr. University's boss? Is it the Board of Trustees? Is it the president of the university? Is it the chancellor? Who is his boss? But I'm going to tell you what, you better have a short leash next year. And to me, I needs to be a short leash on you. We just, set a, we just set a program record at home, losing by 34 points or more in our, our back home, in our home field in front of our fan base, at home, by losing from 34 points in the history of our program, Mr. Gerrachek, that's unacceptable. One thing I do know, if you accept mediocrity, that's exactly what you'll get. If you pay for mediocrity, that's exactly what you'll get. And so, I think, you know, uh, know, I just have to thank other Frank Burrells you know, our legendary coach and athletic director. Well we lost both his leadership and we never have recovered. So let's look at the two athletic directors we hired after uh Mike Bros. We hired Jeff Long and who did he hire Brett Bill and give him a seventeen million buyout. And did we finally finish paying his contract off and now we we hire an outsider, hunter year let me tell you something. You don't understand the passion of our fan base. You don't understand the expectations of our program. And you better uphold them. Because there needs to be a short leash on you. You know who I think needs to be? the athletic director at the U of A. Listen to this. Because he played at the University of Arkansas. He's an in-state guy who bleeds hog red. He played balls, love, juice, and nut. He won three SEC Western
2: all right i gotta cut you off here eddie um we're not hiring someone who's never worked in administration before in college athletics i love houston nut that's not going to be the next athletics director and appreciate the phone call fishtailing in 80 different I, directions
0: and i think one of his directions early on was you looked at these rivalry games phil you looked at mississippi state Ole Miss. they kept it close you looked at washington washington state they kept it close you know you looked at Georgia Georgia Tech Auburn Alabama all these teams playing teams that are apparently better than them they kept it close and Arkansas didn't show up that's that's the kind of the the feelings where why why we didn't even it, it, where were we Did, didn't we know we played we played a game on
2: Friday Brent you're next on the McClarty Daniel hotline what's up Brent hey hey Phil and Matt I, I
1: I can't I can't uh match Eddie's call but I got I'm going to say what i got to say a lot calmer. Hey, Matt, you remember when you and I talked before the, before the first game that Friday, right, when I met you? Yes, sir. Would uh, you have ever dreamed that our football team would not beat one team with a winning record other than Western Carolina?
0: You you know, I no. To answer your question, no, I thought we were going to have a better year this year.
1: And, and if you have ever dreamed we would have been outscored 96-24 to 24 in our last two games that mattered, Auburn and uh, Missouri?
0: You know, you, you, just, you don't yeah. think an Arkansas team's not going to come out with passion without fight and without effort and without energy, and, and I didn't see it. You didn't see a lot of want to against Auburn, a lot of want to against Missouri. It was just kind of like, uh, okay, well, we got to do this to go through the motions.
1: You 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 saw no passion from the Razorbacks this whole. I mean, in the last month or whatever, and you know the luckiest two men in the world.
2: No, Brent are you all The two luckiest people in the world,
1: Dan Pittman and Cody Kennedy. They still got jobs. I don't understand why either of those men still have jobs. Cody Kennedy couldn't block me, and I go in a wheelchair, Matt, uh, Matt, no, they can walk okay, they they couldn't block me, and that's unacceptable, something to be done on that heel, and our athletic director's got to make some, got to make Sam make some changes, and that's all I had
6: to say.
2: Roar. Are you in need of an attorney? Hickey and Hull Law Partners is your firm. Hickey and Hull understand the importance of client communication, meeting with you, responding to emails, and returning calls. Hickey and Hull are attorneys you can trust to guide you through a divorce or a custody case, criminal charges, or even civil lawsuit. Ready to put their seven decades of experience to work for you and get the best results. Every case is important. Hickey and Hull Law Partners strive to give each client the time and attention it deserves. Visit them at KevinHickeyLaw.com. Hickey and Hull Law Partners. Things are about to get better. And now, back to the podcast. Time to check in with Curtis Wilkerson from uh, Hogsports.com, part of the 247 Sports Network Network. And uh, most of the talk uh, today on football, so let's talk about something that's a lot happier. Um, although the last four games hadn't that been great for Arkansas basketball, Curtis, how are you today?
8: Hey, I am doing fantastic, guys. I'm happy to be on with you. Uh,
2: you were there for uh, the battle for Atlantis. Uh, did not go the way that I think um, the team would have hoped. Uh, beat Stanford. Back to back losses against Memphis and North Carolina. Um, what ails this team in your eyes right now, Curtis?
8: Well, <laughs> I asked Eric Musselman that right after the, uh, the loss to North Carolina, and he said there were too many things to get into at the moment. So, uh, you know, it, it uh, really comes as no surprise that, you know, an Arkansas team is having some growing pains, uh, maybe coming a little bit earlier than it has in years past, but maybe that means they'll figure it out and, and get rolling a little bit earlier mean uh, you know I, I think a lot of us kind of felt like Arkansas might be ahead of schedule a little bit, you know, after the preseason and some of those early games. Uh, but yeah, I mean, they've got some struggles that are that are creeping up right now. I think uh, if you look on on the defensive side of the ball, I mean, it's been five straight games where an opposing guard or or wing has gone for over twenty points on them. Uh, it's hard to contain another team's best player, but Arkansas has kind of made a habit of doing that under Muscleman. Uh, And so that's certainly something they have to figure out. The on-ball defense has been problematic, Uh, given up too many drives. Opposing guards are able to get into the teeth of the defense uh, way too often, and and that collapses things and and gets you all out of source and in scramble mode. And and I think we've seen the effects of that. Uh, And then on the offensive end, uh, just a a little stagnant lately. You know, I, I thought they were really moving the ball well and executing at a high level early in the season in the Bahamas. Um, maybe not as much purposeful movement. Uh, the shots weren't falling. The quality of the shots weren't there. So, uh, yeah, a lot of things for this team to work on. Still early, you know, no no doubt they'll probably get it figured out. But uh, yeah, there's a, a pretty long list of things they got to get corrected.
0: Curtis as far as the eye test, you were down there you got to see him uh, when, when we played Memphis I didn't see anybody I, Jones was the best player I've seen now I didn't get to see Villanova play I know they got some talent saw, saw North Carolina play but the, the kid from Memphis was was pretty solid who as far as the eye test do, do we look the part do we look as good as these other teams?
8: Not right now no I I, I, I kind of felt a similar way uh, watching some of those teams I thought Villanova, uh, really, really stood out down there. They're just so physical and, and big. They're connected as a team. Uh, you know, the way they play on both ends of the floor, I, I thought they kind of stood out uh, above some of the other teams. I think Arkansas is probably equally or, or more talented than a lot of the groups that were down there, but it, it seems like some of those other teams are playing with a little bit more togetherness right now. Uh, and the other thing I noticed, you know, Arkansas, listen, they're, they're long, uh, they're athletic. But in terms of physical size and, and strength and broad shoulders, uh, you know, maybe they're a step behind the Villanovas and the North Carolinas right now. And that doesn't necessarily make those teams better. It's just something that I noticed from a, from a physicality standpoint. That's something that Musk has talked about a lot earlier in the year. Uh, some of those other teams have a lot more beef than Arkansas does. So they kind of have to find a way to counteract that.
2: Is Duke one of those teams too? I mean, Filipowski is a real seven-footer. Um, you know, Mark Mitchell's a real power forward. They got other seven footers on the bench if they need it. And right now, man, I mean, how how I guess I guess there really isn't an answer to this question because part of the question is, was he going to be a better defender and rebounder? But man, I really feel like uh this team needed Jalen Graham to hmm. be that kind of player against the kind of teams that they just faced. It's just, you know. You know what it's like with a bulky back. You just never know when it's going to go out on you. And it, it, it sounds like, I mean, that's a that's a huge problem for him and for this team right now.
8: I agree with that 100%. I mean, all summer, uh, the hype about Jalen Graham was, was real. I mean, the staff raved about him, you know, to, to media and interviews. Uh, and they really propped him up in front of the team just for the way that he completely flipped the switch, uh, changed his practice habits. He was working harder. He was more of a communicator. Uh, and he had really made some strides. I mean, they had every intention of him being a, a huge piece to the puzzle uh, in the front court for this group. And and you're right, man, back problems, uh, that's never fun because they can be recurring, they can creep back up on you, you think you've turned a corner, uh, and then one slight movement the wrong way and it flares back up. And especially, uh, you add into the fact that Jalen Graham is, is 6'10", you know, 225 pounds or whatever, uh, that complicates matters even more. And And so I think getting him healthy is really, really important uh, you know, you've got just a, a mix of guys right now at that, that center spot, but nobody's really taken hold of it. Uh, you know, Makai Mitchell, is inconsistent. He can be great one game. He can be in foul trouble 30 seconds into another one. I think Chandler Lawson's done a pretty bang-up job at, at that spot with the minutes that he's gotten. But Jalen Graham just brings something different. You know, he's a guy that you can throw the ball to down on the block or in the high post, let him face up and, and go to work and serve as a scoring threat for you. And that opens things up for the guards as well. Uh, it's just a different look and a different dynamic that puts pressure on the defense that Arkansas doesn't really have at that spot right now. So I agree. They they really, really could have used it. When you're playing three games in a row like that, uh, I think we saw against North Carolina in the second half that fatigue really played a factor. Uh, they need that depth and they need that different look, and and Jalen Graham's a guy who could definitely provide it.
0: Yeah, you got to be able to play team defense. We kind of seem like we were a step behind, and, and and Mus is doing a heck of a job coaching. You see him coaching them up every after uh, uh, when when they would get beat or whatever, but. One of the things I did see as a bright spot uh, was number six blocker. And he reminds me of if you remember a guard named Josh Howard that played for Wake Forest and played in the NBA for a decade, uh, played for the Mavericks for a little bit. But that's who he kind of reminds me of, a scrappy guard that can do a little bit of of everything and, and is only going to get better. What is his ceiling? What, what could you see his role uh, uh, defining to?
8: Yeah, I mean, he's, he's really, really starting to emerge and, and that's great. You know, I, with, with him, I see another comp I could make, uh, is freshman year Devo Davis, you know, a guy who wasn't playing much at the beginning of the season, uh, but he kind of kept his head down, and developed a reputation for, you know, being a, a gritty, hard-nosed guy who would dive on the floor for loose balls and get after it on the defensive end. And then when he, his number was called, uh, he translated that onto the floor in games and his role just kept growing and growing and growing throughout the course of the season. Uh, And we're kind of seeing the same thing with Blocker. You know, that's always been his thing. He's an explosive athlete, uh, a great defender, and and a guy who's fearless out there when it comes to getting after the boards and on loose balls. Uh, And he did that and stepped up and gave Arkansas some great minutes. in the Bahamas, now he's in the starting lineup. Um, And I think we saw as the week progressed, he was getting more and more comfortable offensively. You know, he's a guy who can really get downhill uh, and, and attack above the rim. He can finish. He's got a physical frame, so uh, you know the, the 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 continued emergence for him is going to be really interesting to see. Does he get comfortable uh, in taking and knocking down some set three pointers? I think that would keep teams from going under ball screens on him and making more effective. He did a really good job of taking care of the basketball, uh, but can he get the distribution going a little bit more and get those assist numbers up because they've been down for Arkansas. They need a point guard to really start to initiate things for him uh, and then continuing to just make an impact on the defensive end. Um, I think he's, you know, really starting to establish himself in the rotation. Whether that's, you know, starting point guard or, uh, you know, a guy coming off and giving him a, a different look and a spark off the bench, I don't know. But uh, that that's definitely one of the silver linings and the positive developments for this team. Uh, we've heard about that depth that they have, but we haven't necessarily seen it in the early goings. I think he's a guy who could really help you in that department.
2: Well, I think part of it is is about well, you need you need a point guard that's really going <clears> to <throat> run the offense and. And, 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 you know, get guys to move around a little bit and instead of the standing around. And it feels like that's where you are right now. You know, you get Ellis coming off the bench, blocker start in the last couple of games. Um, I'm not sure if you feel confident about who your point guard is because I see a team that's assisting on what, about 35% of their buckets last in the SEC in assists. Um, and that's, you know, not usually the way that uh, we've seen Muss's teams operate.
8: Agreed. Yeah, that, that's really kind of flipped on its head here the last three or four games, and, and it's something that they definitely have to get corrected. Uh, they, I think they really need to get L. Ellis going, and you know whether that's as, as the team's starting point guard uh, or if you take a little bit of pressure off of them and, and use them off the ball more. Um, it's really hard to score eighteen points per game in the ACC, and you know a guy like that didn't just forget how to play basketball overnight, although. You know, it kind of looked like it at times, you know, in, in, uh, in the Bahamas. He was scoreless in those three games. And this is guy who was expected uh, to really be a, a key part of the offense for this team uh, doesn't look like he's playing with a lot of confidence right now. So uh, definitely a, a guy that they need to get going. And, then, yeah, you know, the, the point guard position overall, um, I agree. You know, who is that going to be that, that really steps up, whether it's the point guard or anyone who can kind of step up and take command Uh, In leadership of that offense and get guys in the spots they need to be in uh, and keep that ball moving and and really facilitate things. You know, I think uh, for a while, though, it looked like Devo Davis might be that guy, but he kind of took a downturn, zero turnovers through four games, uh, and then he had nine in the three games in the Bahamas. And and so, kind of a a backtrack there. Uh, Tremont Mark is a guy who's looked really, really good with the ball in his hands. Can can he maybe have an uptick in the distribution? Um, I don't know, but you're right. You know, it has been pretty stagnant. Uh, You know, they've got a part of it is, you know, they've got a screen and and cut and set their man up with a little bit more sense of urgency and more purpose uh, in terms of getting open. But, you know, it all starts with the guy who's initiating the offense. And, uh, you know, that's definitely probably an area at the top of the priority list for them to figure out here moving forward
0: yeah i wonder is l healthy because i'm i'm with you i i think he's he's gonna have to be a big contributor playing 25 plus i don't know if he's with the starting unit or what where you're saying you see him fit but i think he's gonna have to be on the floor and he's gonna have to be on on all cylinders for this team to be successful
8: i agree yeah i mean as far as i know he's healthy you know i i know he had a scare i think before maybe it was before the opener i I don't know if he, he tweaked his knee or something had to get an MRI but it came back clean and you know, he's been involved in every game since then. I think some of it is, is they're looking for a little bit more from him defensively. You know, we talked about uh, defending the dribble drive and keeping your man in front. That's an area where he struggled some. Uh, and so they're looking for an uptick there. But, you know, offensively, uh, listen, you know, he's he's a guy that, you know, struggles with some decision-making at times. He can get into the paint whenever he wants. But, you know, making the right decisions in there is a work in progress. Uh, but he's wired to score. And that's that's been something that's always come naturally to him. Uh, so for, for him to go scoreless in three games like he did, he never felt uh, comfortable. Me, Curtis,
0: like when I was exactly, watching, yeah, yeah,
8: yeah, exactly. That's exactly right. He didn't look comfortable and, and he didn't look you know very confident out there. I don't know if it's a situation where you know uh, other guys are starting eating those minutes and, and maybe he's looking over his shoulder a little bit instead of focusing on the task at hand. Uh, maybe it's a confidence deal there. I, I'm not sure, but. Uh, yeah, they, they've definitely got to get him going because I I do think for this team to reach its ultimate ceiling, he's got to be a guy who's a, a big piece of the puzzle for them.
2: Any knowledge at all on, on availability for Tremont, Mark? Now, I mean, Maybe I shouldn't ask that because, I mean, it's really just going to be based on, on what you hear from us in the pregame presser leading up to the Duke mm-hmm. game. It's just when us... You know, when I saw that, I'm like, "Goodness gracious!" The kid's not moving. He's getting stretchered off. I mean, I, and now he's he's all right, but I don't, I can't imagine that after that you'd be ready to go on a Wednesday.
8: Yeah, that's that's true. You know, that was really scary. That happened right in front of us, underneath that basket, and uh, boy, it didn't look good. I, I think, you know, the the good part of it, if, if that's even the appropriate term to use, was. Uh, you know, he kind of landed on his, on his rear end there and it was more back related than it was, you know, head and neck. And that, that I think that's what you're really scared about. But yeah, I mean, good news that the, the scans came back okay and he was able to get released and travel back with the team. Uh, man, I, I know how I feel just after kind of working some, some long days and going through that travel. I can't imagine what those guys feel after playing three games and, and especially Mark, uh, taking that nasty spill. So yeah, I think we, we talked to Musk here so in about five minutes and, I think that'll probably be one of the first questions is, you know, how's he feeling? How's he moving around? I and mean, then what's the plan for him the next few days? Is, you know, are they going to, is he feeling good enough to where they can get out there and uh, get him moving around a little bit and see how he's feeling at practice in advance of Wednesday? Or is it a deal where he really needs some more rest and recovery? Um, I have no idea what to expect there on the surface. I would, I would kind of be surprised if he played on Wednesday, but maybe we'll have a little bit more clarity here in a few minutes. Well,
2: we'll let you go in just a moment because, you know, the press conference will start soon. Before you go, though, you're in the Bahamas for like four days. Did you eat uh-huh. any conch chowder? I mean, did you get some seafood? Did you go see the big aquarium in Atlantis? Did you go down the water? What'd you do there outside of basketball? Because it can't just be basketball Recording there.
8: Progress. It, yeah, I mean, it, it was really all of the above. It was awesome. Yeah, had the, the conch fritters were uh, incredible. Had the. Uh, what was it called? The Junkan, Junkanoo, Junkamoon Salad, which was, Junkanoo, you know, the, yeah. The con- yeah, it was so good with the fruit medley and the herbs and spices. Uh, had a lobster quesadilla that was unreal. I, I'm a big foodie, so anything from that standpoint was uh, was awesome for me. And yeah, that aquarium, you know, there on the Atlantis Resort was unreal. Uh, just kind of, just fun to just kind of sit there and watch the fish roam around a little bit and yeah, we got over to uh, to Cabbage Beach, which is a little bit off the beaten path, it's just beautiful, the sand and the water down there. Uh, you know, maybe you'd like to be, you know, home and around family for Thanksgiving, but there's a lot worse places to be than a place called Paradise Island. Uh, you know, when basketball wasn't going on, really took advantage of that. It was uh, just an incredible, incredible experience.
0: You're listening to the East Side Liquor
8: Halftime Podcast. Check out the Bud Light Morning Rush Podcast at hitthatline.com. This podcast has been presented by Bet Online. This podcast is an exclusive property of Pearson Broadcasting. It may not be copied, reproduced, modified, published,
0: uploaded, reposted, transmitted, or distributed in any way without Pearson Broadcasting's prior written
2: consent.